Hello and welcome to season two of the Changing the Narrative Rising Youth Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence Taylor, here to bring you more stories of youth navigating the Rising Youth Grant System, getting funding, and executing community projects across Canada. A friendly reminder, this season is black only. And this is what it feels like. Black youth, black stories, exclusively, no questions asked, don't even bother. Over the course of this season, I'll also be sharing the growth and development of Changing the Narrative, building it from just a podcast to a resource to support black men and boys in business, art, masculinity, and mental health. We get into those details briefly at the end of this episode, so make sure you tune in to the finish. A big thank you to everyone at Rising Youth and Taking It Global, as always. And now, I bring you episode two, The Black Storyteller. Meet Chris Henney Nianguila, who ran a one-day workshop to help people become better storytellers. However, because our lives as six foot four and five athletic black men encouraged to do stereotypical black activities, that led us to a whole slew of topics around navigating finding your true identity and how to tell black stories that reach beyond black audiences. In which he said, and I quote, it's like a loop of trying to find the balance between not being too political but still having the luxury of doing something that is viewed at face value and not too overly dissected through the lens of social identity. I'm your host, Terrence Taylor, and you are tuned in to Changing the Narrative. I'm Chris. I'm a former um, university basketball um, athlete. Oh, and, um, oh, what a what a familiar tale, Chris. <laughs> exactly. You know, like like most black men growing up in any inner city risk across North America, I would say. Mm. And then, you know, you find yourself uh, at a crossroad where it's like, you know, you find yourself getting a university degree, but you're not necessarily in the same boat as everyone around you. You might not have all the resources. So I find myself in a situation where it's like, you have immense opportunities, but you don't have the resources to fully capitalize on everything, Mm. on everything you learn. So even as a basketball player, it's like, you know, you go through the process, you you know, you play university ball, but it's like, you don't end up playing pro. You don't end up getting a high paying job. You go back to the hood. Like what's, what, what's left, you know? Mm -hmm. So I found myself not completing my, my athletic career, but like in a, like in a mid university crisis where I ended up switching programs completely. So I went from being a basketball player who studied business and economics to a part-time security working film student you know, trying to become a film director. Hmm. So, but like I found through that process, you know, I, I grew up always thinking that maybe the only grants available for me were basically athletic scholarships and whatnot. Like I never thought I'd be able to get, let's say, uh, a scholarship at an art institution or just a scholarship just for being a good student. So I felt like those are a lot of things that weren't necessarily uh, showed or introduced to me at a young age. Well, that's why I was going to ask, why did you feel like these weren't options? Because, like, let's say when I was applying to to CJEP, I don't know, like, in Quebec, we have a system between high school and university, which is called CJEP. So mm. applying to CJEP, which is like a community college, basically, I want to go into arts, but my mom is like, nah, we need money. You need, you need to go into business. You know, you'll learn how to get money studying business. And for me, mm-hmm. I was like, at that time, I'm like, makes sense. I'm going to do that. So... I went on that path and then going to school taught me, you know what, if you have money, you can make money. And I was like, 
that's cool. But I don't have money, so let me just keep going with this, with this <laughs> basket, with this basketball content. Maybe you know I'll end up going pro, or you don't know what will happen. But then it's like you start getting hurt. You start realizing that, like, well, personally, I'm like, I'm not a basketball player. I'm just an athlete. I'm just a black six six four. 195 athletic guy who's a good stereotypical basketball player but it's like that's not my passion and it's like I had mm. opportunities to do that but it's like it's not something I really want to do and I always wanted to go into like art like ever since I was a kid like I always liked the concept of making movies like even just personally when I'd go through bad times I always told myself like one day this is going to be part of like a bigger movie or a bigger concept. And mm. that always cheer me up. So getting older and just like finding filmmaking super randomly, realistically, it just, it's like, a, it just called for me. Like, how like did higher... you, how, how did you find it randomly? Cause I risk, I dropped out. Cause I was, I was going to school out of town, like realistically failing classes, not going to school, you know, partying more or less. And mm. like, I told myself, this is not productive, especially knowing that, like, once I go home, like, I have friends who are incarcerated, I have friends who are homeless, I have, like, my parents aren't the best in the financial situation, so it's, like, I don't have the same privilege and luxury to, like, mess around out here like everyone else, so I took mm. the year off, went back to Montreal, and I had a lot of university credits that I felt like it'd be a waste just to completely drop out, so I was just going through programs on uh, every university website in Montreal, realistically. And just trying to find something that called to me. So I was just reading literally so many descriptions of every any program you can think of, like fashion design, anything. And then mm-hmm. I was reading the bio that was written in the film production program. And it was just like calling out the storytellers. And they didn't necessarily emphasize like filmmaking, but it was just like, I don't know. The way it was written, it kind of like called to me. So I made like a short film, very embarrassing. That I would never come out, but like I use it to apply to... <laughs> to the school but it was like you know they saw you could tell they saw they saw the heart in there they they knew I wanted to get in you know and from there I ended up being like I like to think I was like a dilettante I knew nothing about filmmaking but I knew a little bit but then I went in a milieu where everybody was like studying or interested in filmmaking since the age of like 10 and knew Mm. everything about every movie and all I knew was basketball and I felt real real dumb you know that I'm like no one was there to introduce me to like i don't know citizen kane or just show me that like even a movie like boys in the hood why is it so good or even new jack city a lot of classic black films like just show me the artistry in those films like i felt like it was kind of like a a, i wasted so much time in my life just doing stereotypical you know things that people just Mm -hmm. wanted me to do you know and it's just it's sad when you're around people who were introduced to everything and you were like you you're introduced a fraction of it and you thought you saw the world so i felt like i had like i needed to show at least a fraction of what i was what i saw in those four years of film school to other people in my neighborhood that might take it further than me or just might want to know that it's possible to even just try to get in this field this is cool because we have a similar story how old are you first yeah. of all I'm 27. I'm turning 28 literally this Friday. So 28. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I'm asking because everything you're saying in like, Mm -hmm. I just played ball because people told me to and Mm -hmm. I'm six, five and (laughs) athletic. So Mm -hmm. may as well do it. But my passion was 
the sneakers and mm-hmm. the camaraderie and the energy and the feeling of being an athlete and being on a team. True. But I, I don't. I, yeah. I don't think I cared for the sport of. Ba- I like it, but yeah, like exactly, you said, yeah. as a job, as a career, no, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you said, if basketball is put in front of you and that's your only option when do you even consider alternative careers you know so i'm interested in how you got to the end of your basketball career and somehow immediately found filmmaking Filmmaking. because i spent nine ten years doing Mm -hmm. everything else and then i literally had a business needed to promote the business so i made videos and now this is what i do for a living i'm a storyteller and a filmmaker right so i'm i'm intrigued and a bit i don't want to say i don't want to say jealous because it's Mm -hmm. i I had my own path and we all have our own path right but i'm always intrigued by people who especially black men especially black athletic men Mm -hmm. who can somehow hone and find their passion outside of sports and how you did that because i love movies i love music mm-hmm. videos i watched them as a kid i never yeah. envisioned myself as a storyteller but now mm-hmm. that i'm doing it it makes perfect sense and the way i've always watched movies and been like hmm, how did mm-hmm. that so it's in exactly. my brain but i didn't find it the way you found it i didn't find it at the rate that you found it and i'm mainly mm-hmm. curious because there's so many other black men who play sports their careers are over they go back to the hood and they don't get the grace period like mm-hmm. that I did of doing a bunch of stuff and stumbling across filmmaking. No, some of these guys, they get back to the hood. And if they don't figure it out in six They're months, in. Year, yeah. life is over. So, like, yeah. how did you how did you know and how did you pursue that? And even how did you not care what anyone else thought and said, this is what I'm doing? Even when I played basketball, I wasn't the greatest, but I wasn't bad, you know? Like, I was, like, I always played at elite levels, but all my teammates always knew, like, I was more artistic. As much as I cared about basketball, I had a personality outside of basketball. Mm. And also, I think a big point was my mom, for a little while, like, at the end of movie rental places, Good or bad investment. Now I think it's a good investment. But back then I was like, this is the worst investment you could have made. Mm. She bought like someone was selling their movie store and all their, their whole catalog literally like a couple months before Blockbuster went bankrupt. So they knew. Yeah. So my mom was like, this is a perfect opportunity. But I'm mm. like, but like in that moment, I would just watch a different movie every single day for like three, four years. So I had like a catalog of movies in my head, but I was just like. I knew I, I perceived movies differently because I've watched so many of them, mm-hmm. but nothing in my head told me like, you could make this, you know? Cause I, like, I don't know anyone that looks like me who's made a movie or came back and talked to me like, yo, Chris, you know, you can get a grant and do this, or, you know, this, it just costs this much to get an actor and this much actors. And I don't know the beginning of it, but if you, if I, if you ask me how many people I know who can get a five and five going, I know a lot of people. If you ask me how many people who can do a lot of things that are not appropriate for this podcast, I know a lot of people, If you you know, but it's like when it's something productive and something out of the box, no one's willing to try. So for me, it's like even like getting tattooed on my neck, you know, like I got jobs like this. I went to school like this, but it's Mm -hmm. like I just know there's something in me that it's like I'm going to do what I want because I know something's going to come out of it, especially if I know it comes from a pure heart and from passion. 
nothing's going to stop me. So when it came to film school, like I said, like when I applied to CJEP, I think I went bad. I, I went sidetracked, but when I applied to CJEP, I wanted to go into communications, but like my mom said no. So at this moment, I was mad because like the, my basketball career, I was hurt. My coach was treating me like a little son. And I'm like, mm. like mentally, I was in a place where I was like, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down to what I want. So went, applied to film school, got in, went through the grind. It was, it was really tough, to be honest. Like it was so much tougher than I thought but tough graduated. it was too humbling because you realize most people go in there and they have so much knowledge they have so much practical experience like i went to school with people who let's say like some big hollywood directors i went to school with some of their children you know so it's like you have mm-hmm. a guy who who's been on set of a 300 million dollar movie and is humble as hell because they know that they don't know anything right even though they've been on even though their dad has just directed a few hundred dollar movie and they directed a scene in that movie you know so for me and then i come in and like at that point i didn't even know what a production assistant is you know so it's like i'm like way behind and i'm and i have to like catch up and find a way to 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 feel like i'm adequate enough to to to, to run with these people because these are gonna be my peers how did that feel specifically as a black man in a predominantly white world it, it was tough but it's like as bad as it sounds it's like you know you got to use sometimes stereotypes you got to use them in your favor you know it's like people are gonna treat you differently because they know that especially in this field they can't offend you or they know like it's it's a space where it's it was such a weird milieu because it was like for example i'm there as a black man they question you they're like they automatically question you oh is he gay because he likes films and he's not aggressive? You know what I mean? Or then it's like, is mm. he is he a major drug dealer that's looking to, to launder money in films? And it's like, you have all this mystique around and it's like, it was weird, but at the same time, I felt like it was my duty to be as civil but as and push a boundary as much as possible. So a lot of my work were very Black-centered, but I didn't want to push it heavily to a point where I'm known as a Black artist. But at the same time, why not? Don't get me wrong. Like I applied to black film festivals. I identify strongly as a black Canadian, but I want my movies to be appreciated. And I want the message to expand beyond just the black community. I want a lessons that resonate loud in the black community to resonate across audiences of different mm-hmm. like communities. Because I feel like, let's say, for example, when you watch a movie like Boys in the Hood, in my head, let's say if I'm doing a black movie for me, I feel like my genre of film, I do Black Canadian hood cinema. But then it's like the message has to go beyond the hood Mm -hmm. because the only message that the hood wants to hear is make money quick. Let's get out of this. But it's like, I I need to find a way that to, 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 um, it's, it's tough. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, in my opinion, audiences have to be bigger than your target audience to make an impact because mm-hmm. affecting a target tar- or, or catering to a target audience is, is simple and that's how a lot of our images that are tailored to our communities are destructive because there's because we already know what works like we already know mm. what images work so when i see myself as a black artist i don't want to fall into those tropes you know and it's like people are like well you know you can do like black exploitation films those were those played with stereotypes and tried to you know flip it around but i'm like i'm not trying to do that Mm. you know so it's like it's it's like a loop of trying to find 
a balance between being not too political, but still have the luxury of doing something that is viewed at face value and not too too overly dissected mm. through the lens of of, of uh, social identity. How the hell do you do that? Honestly, I'm young and I'm like, I don't, I realize filmmaking is a, it's a rich and an old person sport. So it's like, you have your life to make great work. You know, obviously you have pressure with Instagram and stuff to feel like, you know, I, I want to be the goat. I want everyone to think I'm the greatest artist ever by the time I'm 30. But it's like, realistically, you know, I'm great, but I'm not that great. You know? So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't mind really tailoring and taking the time to carve and make work that's worth watching and seeing. I have a question about film school, but you just mentioned Instagram. So I want to ask as a filmmaker and a storyteller, how do you feel about the platform of Instagram? Because as an artist, where are you earning money for your art? It's the, the likelihood of that yeah. happening on Instagram is fairly low, right? It's, well, yeah. it's promotion, it's, it's marketing, but it's, it's not it's necessarily monetizing your art. So how do you use it's, it and, and do you, and how do you, yeah, how do you play in that it, field? It's tough. Cause let's say for me, I, I, art, I put it in two categories. Like I have my own personal art and then I have commercial art. So okay. I feel like you can't make your money doing personal art. It's impossible unless you're already established. No one is going to pay unless you have really great friends and family. They are going to pay for things that you truly want to make out of passion. So I feel like, sadly the things that sell let's say for me purists they don't like people shooting vertical but then you have film companies now who are starting to film vertical you have instagram companies who film vertical and it's like realistically if you want to make money you can still make things that look good that are shot vertically so you know instagram's a it's a good platform to make money for art that isn't necessarily personal so Mm. It, it's tough like for example like you know i could pour my heart into a like i have work i poured my heart into that's like i feel like cinematically very clean but i show it around the, the most people and they'll look at it like okay whatever but then you know i showed them let's say a highlight clip of i worked um like charlamagne the god came to montreal mm. and i worked on like a highlight video of his and then you know he put it on instagram and you know there's a lot of comments a lot of views when someone wants, like, someone asks me, hey, what have I done? If I send them that video. Game over. They're going to mess. It's game over, you know, like, oh. oh. And it's like, realistically, the video is, it's, it's a bunch of random clips put together. The audio isn't clipped properly. The, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. we're, we're limited by the one-minute Instagram. So the audio doesn't flow right. The images could have been cut cleaner. But it's like, everyone thinks it's amazing because, you know, Charlamagne the God. Right. You know, so it's like, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like, if you want to make your money, Instagram, while the, while everyone. But I think in terms of, let's say if you want something pure, you know, it takes longer, but go through the granting process. You know, there's a lot of granting agencies in, in, in Canada, across the world as well. You know, it's a little longer to get that money, but it's worth getting once you, or worth doing once you get it. Mm. Tell me about the benefits you had of learning film and storytelling through an institution versus being self-taught. Self that's that's what mm -hmm. I just, I need, it was a necessity. So mm -hmm. I figured it out and then I yeah. liked it. And so now I do it, but mm -hmm. I, I wasn't like, Ooh, I want to make videos and films mm -hmm. and storytelling. Right. So what benefits did you have from actually learning that I, process from the behind the scenes lens? Right. 
I think it's good because like I have videos that have been on YouTube since like I've edited at like 11 years old, you know? So it's like, I've been into montages and filming since, since I could remember that I never, like, I never thought I could do it professionally, but going to school really forced me to understand so many nuances. And I felt like it helped me really understand what type of movies I want to make. Cause I've watched so many movies that I would have never watched myself. And as much as like a lot of the self-taught things on YouTube, are helpful. I feel like a lot of it is repetitive. Like some people are taking something they saw from someone else, from someone else, from someone else, from someone else. But at school, you'll literally learn from like, like I know a movie from 1920. I've watched a movie every year from like 1920 to like 2021. You know what I mean? So it's like, I would have never done that if I wasn't forced to. So you realize a lot of things that work or just like the history behind a lot of things. Some of it, I can't lie. I realize it's not too important. But personally, I found like it, it gives you a lot of freedom to discover who you are and it gives you a lot of trial and error. And especially in terms of gear, I find like, let's say I'm my, my, I shot a movie with 125,000 worth of equipment. It came out looking like shit because I didn't know what I was really doing. And right. I had 22 people on my crew, you know, but it's like I realized if I was in better position, if I, if I knew what was coming up, let's say before going into film school. I would have had ideas already prepared, already mm -hmm. solidified, and I'd have at least I would have gone in. I would have fully capitalized on that opportunity. But mm -hmm. going to school, it really, yeah, it it just shows you what you could do with manpower, with with good equipment. But honestly, I felt like a, it's a little bit overpriced for once you've completed and you realize, man, I could use all that money and bought some equipment. You know what I mean? Right. But at the same time, I wouldn't have known like 80% of what I know now if I didn't go to film school, you know? Right. So it's like, I can't necessarily dwell too much on the financial. Yeah. I have a quote from your project profile. I believe that introducing elements of filmmaking, such as how to get funding and how to plan slash execute projects will empower whoever participates to tell their own stories. Mm -hmm. What is this project, first of all? <laughs> And what is it about filmmaking and business? Because I get it, right? Like I'm, I'm a, mm -hmm. I make video and film. I got a business. So I understand mm -hmm. why that's important. But to those who may not, right? What, what's this project and why is the combination of these two things so meaningful? So this project was a one-day workshop. I It was hard to realistically organize with COVID and the restrictions. There was so much unknown going on. So I wanted basically just to show people, because I used the Rising Youth Grant, the $1,500 one. So I felt like it just gave me access to so many resources that I could basically use to run a workshop, show other people how to get these resources and I felt like through the workshop, I could tell my story and show other people how to tell stories through just um, visual angles, like simple cuts or just simple framing techniques would just help you in so many ways. But it was honestly, it's, filmmaking is so complicated that it's tough to explain it in a one day workshop. Right. So the workshop was really a space that I gave to artists who want to come in and you know we did interviews we take portraits and yeah i discussed the, the rising youth grants and how to access them and other ways to get grants and just how to leverage let's say a store into another story like for example i did that workshop and now i'm on this podcast speaking to you 
And then I don't know where this is going to end up. And, right. you know, we might end up collaborating on, on yep. a short film. Yep. You never know. So it's like, just by telling a story, someone's going to listen and they might want to tell you their story. And then you guys might have something in common and then you guys might want to work together. And then someone else might like your, your, your collective store and might like what you guys are doing and then might join in. So it's all about taking whatever you have. It doesn't matter if it's a ca- uh, your phone camera from your telephone or a 35 millimeter camera that you got from a thrift shop. Anything could tell a story like a picture is worth a thousand words at the end of the day. What is it about, hmm, because you, interesting, you said that you can't teach a film workshop in a day. It's just because there's so many components mm-hmm. of filmmaking. I did a 10-week workshop, and it still was like, oh, my goodness, I could keep telling you mm-hmm. everything. So yeah. if you were to say the one outcome of the project, the, mm-hmm. the, the one most important outcome that you wanted mm-hmm. people to come and leave with mm-hmm. what do you think that was what was what was the one thing you said yo i, I want these people to be a part of this experience and mm-hmm. i want them to take this one bit of information with them moving forward i wanted everyone to know that like no matter what you every everyone has a story that's impactful and it doesn't matter how you capture it. It could be just audio. It could be a picture. It could be a video. No matter how you capture it, it might take you the rest of your life to capture that moment. But I feel like I want everyone to have a moment of more or less therapeutic art practice through telling something that will relieve some sort of, I don't say burden, but some sort of weight on, on their back. You know, cause I feel like filmmaking is at the, I feel like it's, it's therapeutic. Like I view films as like trauma, good or bad trauma, you know, a good film will stay with you for life. So it's like, I feel like if you tell your story that's able to impact the masses, it'll make you feel great and will impact a lot, a lot of people that you don't think will, would have ever been impacted by your story. Hmm. Hmm. Very cool. Are you working on anything now? Is there anything that people could go to check out your previous stuff? Like, cause now, now I'm like, yo, what? No, I yo, need to no. I Google I can't lie. Right now, I only have pictures on Instagram, and I have like work that I've done for other people that are like on their Instagrams. But like right now, not say I don't feel confident in my portfolio, but I'm very self conscious with my personal work that I have out. So like, I I took off my short films that I have on the internet. And well, actually, you know what I will do? I'll plug in a movie that I, I did the sound on because it's a good documentary. Okay. It's called um, Très Junior. So if anybody wants to watch a documentary about basically African-Canadian identity from, um, from, a, from the standpoint of a refugee um, survivor from, from Rwanda, uh, I did mm-hmm. the sound from the documentary. So it's on... Um, I can, I can send you the link, so it may make it easier for, for you to find. Yeah, we'll put it in. How, what's the name of the film? Spell it. What was it's it? It's called Très Junior. So it's T-R-A-I-T hyphen U-N-I-O-N. It's in French, though. So I did the audio on that, so I don't have a... It's not like my um, directorial, let's say, um, vision. Right. But... I feel like that's a good movie to kind of represent the type of films that I like to work on right now. Okay. Dope. Yeah. Very, very but, cool. Yeah. 
How about you? Uh, I, like, um, I listen to a few of the podcasts, but I'd like to see like. Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, I'm in the space of building CTN into the organization that I needed to be. Um, okay. So it was a podcast. It worked as a podcast. It was some friends and mm-hmm. we did it and cool. We sat around talking shit and blah, people listen to it. So, okay, cool. Yeah. I know that if I come up with a plan and a formula, I can get people to listen to something. So great. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always been, it's ne- always needed to be more than what it is. And so that's why mm-hmm. when I was saying earlier, like, you know, after 2020 happened, after everything through BLM and my son, who's 21 months, two days ago. Oh, wow. Congrats. Thank you very much. You go through this experience of like, oh, shit. Like, okay, one, I'm black. The world's different. Two, I got to do something about that. Three, Mm -hmm. I'm in media and storytelling. If all I'm doing is commercial work, Mm-hmm. And my kid is 33 someday and the world's the same. And his dad yeah. did what he did and just made mm-hmm. money and didn't make a difference. Like, yeah. what is the fucking point? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I say, OK, well, what's the what's the plan? Right. What does changing the narrative is a cool name. But what mm-hmm. the fuck does it mean? Right. Yeah, so, you actually have to change the narrative. And what are those narratives? Right. Mm-hmm. So the focus shifted to. Uh, supporting black men and boys. And this is why Mm -hmm. I love everything you're talking about in business, art, one and two, uh, masculinity and mental health, right? Mm -hmm. And so coming up with a plan to support creative people who want to make a a living off that, right? How do I I take my talents and my, my artistic abilities and my you know, because as black people, we have resilience, we have mm-hmm. creativity that's been embedded mm-hmm. in us. We're not getting away from that. So how do we double down into that? How do we understand as athletes transferable mm-hmm. skills? Right. Yeah. What, did, what do I know from basketball and all these lessons my coaches were teaching me? It's more than a game. OK, so mm-hmm. what does that look like? Yeah. Right? What does that look like practically? And how do I how do I take what I learn on a court? and implement that in a way of life and in business and career that I can actually be successful. Right. And be, because I've exactly. managed to figure out how to do that, if me as a black man, mm-hmm. not going, Hey, other black men, I figured it out. So here, cause I don't need it all. And the mm-hmm. world's too big. I couldn't get it all if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So how about everybody else eat and let's share this knowledge and information and, and, mm-hmm. and come up with a way to build the community from, from a self-sufficiency point of what do they say on the airplane? Put your mask on first mm-hmm. before you try to save so anybody have, else. Yeah. We, worst, don't, yeah. we don't take care of ourselves. If, if mm-hmm. our own homes, our own mental health, our own mm-hmm. representation, our own, how we step out as men, if that part of it isn't solid, and who are we to try to help the community? No, bro, help yourself. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> help yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, building. Been, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I would say building on that. Like, I think a big message I'd like to say as well. Like, it might be controversial, but it's like because I went through that moment where where that phase in my life where it's like you know you want to make all your money through artistic endeavors, but it's sadly as African Americans, most of us we don't have the luxury to rely on 
that as a mean as a as a sole means of income. So it's like I like to tell people like you know it's okay to to get a job, but always make sure you invest into your voice because it's better. You don't want to be doing artistic endeavors that are contradictory to what your soul wants to say just because you need the money. You're better off working, even if it's at McDonald's, you know, and taking your income and making something that's pure out of that money. Cause it'll go further in my opinion, than just trying to keep up with the Joneses by trying to get a gimbal and a bunch of uh, expensive equipment that you're going to try to use to impress other people to show them that you're artistic. If you're truly artistic and you truly believe it, you do not have to tell anyone or show anyone it's going to come out eventually. So I want to say it's like, don't kill yourself financially because all of all of us are already not in the greatest financial situations. If we're being truly honest, you know? Mm. So it's like, if you're, if you're, if you're less than, if you're less than five paychecks away from, from, from poverty, you shouldn't be, investing your life worth or be living too much on the edge in order to prove yourself artistically so it's like you know sometimes you got to humble yourself get that job Mm. and if you're truly artistic and you truly believe yourself that passion is never going to go away you're going to find a way to, to to do it because the worst thing you could do is is not be able, like you said, to, 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 to help out at home, you know? Because it's like, if you are out here chasing your dream and it's like, if you have children or if you have parents that aren't in a great financial situation, like, I feel like it's counterproductive because who's going to help you celebrate at the end, you know? So it's, it's all about taking care of yourself, all, everything. It's like the triple bottom line. It's like, take care, of, take care of your finances, take care of your environment and take care of your society and everything else should be fine. That's where it ends. <laughs> that was great. That no, was really son. cool. No, we gotta um, keep in touch, man. I really like this conversation. Yes, hundred percent. I and I'm enjoying this experience too because it's connecting me to people that if I'm sitting, if you know, in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. I know most of the black videographer. Like I know them because it's just it's just not big enough, right? Mm-hmm. And so. I'm always I I have to be thinking what is happening in other places, whether we come to the same space and do something. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the point. I think as like now that I know you, you're an asset. You have Mm -hmm. to be exactly you you have to be like we have our our actual story, this story of, yo, I need to figure out how to be successful as a black creative who's a former athlete that's Mm -hmm. so heavy in my story it's 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 like this is this is what it is like yeah we're speaking Mm -hmm. we're speaking to the same people so i think even if it's yo i'm doing this thing and like what do you think like you have you have film school brain Mm -hmm. i always i'm i've in my brain i'm like i would love to go to film school i don't think i will ever do it and that's maybe foolish for me to say maybe Mm -hmm. i should but so much of me is like i would love to know what it's like to have that set that skill set right that configuration of how to look at film and storytelling so like i said you're an you're an asset because in whatever capacity right i can send i could send you stuff that I would mm-hmm. I couldn't send somebody here and you yeah. toss on it and send it back. Like that's that's possible. We're seeing what we can do virtually mm-hmm. and with what technology is allowing us to do so. I was gonna say, like, 
2021, we can literally do a, a collaborative film. Mm. You know, you shoot in Nova Scotia. I shoot here in Quebec, you know, and it's like, we could have, um, it could be a documentary, combine it together, and it's like distribution could be done. However, like there's so many opportunities that we could do. We don't necessarily have to be, you know, right next to each other in order to get things done. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So that's good because as I keep building CTN and I Ooh. just, I, you know, it's not, yeah, I'm picking my team, but it's not like six people. It's, Yo, yeah. what is the network? Where are the people? Yeah, exactly. How do I, if I say, yeah. yo, I want to press the button and I want to mm. put this messaging out in front of black men and boys, well, mm. who are those people? Okay, yeah, cool. You were same space, same. Okay, yeah, yeah. this is going out, right? And so, mm -hmm. hey, I, I'm working on a thing and I want to, you know, put put it on for people in Nova Scotia. Hell yeah, bro, mm. send it over. Like, let's, mm -hmm. that's that's what exactly. this should be. That's what the, this building of community of our of yeah, this has to stay. Yeah. And this is, the again, this is the beauty of rising youth, right? That's why mm -hmm. we're both even here. I didn't get a grant, but I know mm -hmm. enough people who have, and I've talked to enough people who've been successful. So it's like, mm -hmm. I'd be stupid <laughs> not to. sign up for the, for the rising youth grant? I know I need to. I didn't, well, yeah. when, when someone, when Chevy told me about it, I was, I, I didn't really have something in my brain. And mm -hmm. to, to what you're, to your point of what you said before of like, you know, betting on yourself and, mm -hmm. and, and giving all, like, I was, I'm in the middle of doing that. I have, mm -hmm. well, at this point, I would have been like dead center in the middle of that. So mm -hmm. there's always that balance of like, as artists, how much, you know, how much is too much? Ooh, I, ooh, mm -hmm. that, ooh that sounds cool. That would be great. But if mm -hmm. I go do that, am I really being true to my purest artistic self in what else yeah. I'm trying to build, right? And so, mm -hmm. no, I didn't, no, I didn't need to go and apply for the grant money yeah, that connection led me to these connections. Right. And so Makes sense. Yeah. like you said, like you said, just tell your story because you never mm. know who's going to hear what and that could turn into this and that person yeah. hears that and it builds. And so mm -hmm. that's what you got to do, yo. And we'll continue like, to do that. Exactly. Man, is, uh, I don't want to hold you up too much. No, it's but, all good. Uh, it's all good. Like, I appreciate I was, it. I was going to tell you, you know what? No, the great advice. I tell this to everyone, you know, you should do Go. because especially a lot of first year, um, classes in film school there are a lot of film study classes and these classes you could have 200 people in the class so what i tell everyone is just go into the class you don't even have to sign up for film school just walk into the class like you can literally go a whole year you don't you don't do any of the examination like you don't don't do exam don't do any tests don't do any of the homework you literally go you watch movies for two hours and then you discuss the movie for two hours and you do that once a week for whatever class you want to take. If it's film history, you do that in film history. If it's film aesthetics, you do it for film, film aesthetics. But it's like, you don't, no one's going to kick you off of campus. No one's going to look and like, hey, this guy, he's not part of this two, the 200 students in his class. Right. Like, you can get the film school experience literally without going to film school. Marking it mm -hmm. down. Mark it down, folks. <laughs> you know, like there's the cheat code. You know, go, exactly. Just, just go into a class. Trust yeah, me. Deal. I dig it. Yeah. That's great. Chris, yeah. you're amazing. I try, man. You're amazing. Yeah. Yo, thank you very yeah. much. Enjoy the rest thank of your Thank you for evening. having me. Be safe. You too, bro. Stay healthy. Take care, most man. importantly, yo. You too, man. Yeah, man. If you have an idea for a project to support and uplift your community, check out Rising Youth at risingyouth.ca. For more information on all things CTN, check out www.changingthenarrative.ca. 
And you can find me at TerrenceTaylorMedia.com, which I'm glad to announce is going through a fabulous renovation that will be available the next time we chat. Speaking of, on the next episode, I chat with a collective of youth from the USA, Canada, and the UK who showed how creativity and collaboration have no borders and the toolkit they created to support people of color. I'm your host, Terrence Taylor. Go make things happen. I'm going to do the same. And thank you for listening.